my path to authenticity, it was more like a parallel process with my education and doing mental health and learning parts about myself that I never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that just because my extended family or my nuclear family said something or that I had to behave a certain way, especially being a Dominican woman, all these should fall yes. on top of you. These expectations. Right? These expectations of what you should be. Like, you gotta learn how to cook so you can get married. I'm like, <laughs> who said that's my goal? <laughs> you know, or... That was a clip from today's episode. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. Before we get into the full episode, just want to give a big shout out to you all for listening. Just want to say thank you and welcome to the King Tueres podcast brought to you by Plural. We got a very special guest on the episode today, Garland Bonilla, who is a Harlem native and empowers people to live authentically and speak their truth through therapy. Garland most importantly, is a proud and orgullosa Dominicana. De lo mío. Let's get into the episode. And I guess I'll start with that. Just set the stage. Like, what is what does authenticity even mean to you? Like, when you hear being your authentic self, it's such a buzzword, and like people say it all the time. But like, what does it look like for you? So just to put it out there, also authenticity is one of my favorite A words. So authenticity Ooh. and accountability. I have favorite words for certain things, um, for certain letters. And um, it just means being myself, saying what I need to say, showing up, how I show up, doing my makeup, how I do it, um, wearing what I wear, um, saying what needs to be said, um, and not suppressing parts of myself just to fit into what someone or society thinks I should be based on their preconceived notions. Just being me because I'm me and whoever needs to stick to that will stick. Tell me, tell me about that though, like these preconceived notions, like are those things that people have told you directly or you just like thought about that they just exist? Like where did those come from? Like I shared in a conversation, the one that's coming up for me is a lot work. Um, mm-hmm. So being the youngest in spaces and people assuming that I don't know things or don't know enough to function in a certain capacity because of my age or because I've always looked younger than what I actually am. So I've always had to work a bit harder to prove myself. And that actually burns me out. So after a while, I just hit the point where I'm like, I don't have to prove myself to you. I know what I know and I'm effective at what I'm effective at. And that's that. But there, there have been many times. Or for example, if I'm in a meeting and I give an idea or say something and it's like ignored or glazed over, who knows why? Maybe because I'm the only Latina or maybe because it's room for the men. Um, but then someone else will say it and then it's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, so I'm chopped over, even though that's what I just said. It kills <laughs> me. It kills and me. And it's the most annoying thing because it just leads me to shut down in a sense. So now in future meetings, I'm not going to say shit. I'm going to keep my ideas to myself. And that's that because y'all know everything, right? And then it just like, oh, piggybacking off of, please don't do that. If I said it, I you know, and then all of a sudden it's taken more seriously because someone older or that looks different from me added more value to it. So that's one way that it shows up in, in the workplace. Oh my God, that's happened to me so many times and it's so mm-hmm. frustrating. Um, you gotta when- work yourself up to it. Like, okay, I need to say it. This is what I got to say. And then you say it and then it be shut down. Yeah. And then someone else says it. And you're, Am I in the twilight zone right now? What is happening? <laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, I remember like legit at work, I was building up the confidence to say something because I was like, my manager saying I'm not being like present, P uh, like performance reviews are coming up. I got to say something, right? So I say something, no one listens. Then some white guy says some shit. And I'm not saying some white guy just because it sounds good for the story. Like legit, it was a white dude that said the exact same thing with like even like less data to back it up and all those things. And people were like, oh my God, what a genius. And I'm like, the fuck? And then from, <laughs> from that point on, I'm just like, I'm just not going to say anything. It took me so long to even get back to that point. So I, I totally feel you. And you were even saying, you were even saying at one point, like you were managing people that were older than you, right? Like, what was that experience like? Yes, that experience was, um, it was an experience for sure. So um, I've supervised, right? I've had some interns. Um, and it's interesting when, when they're older than me and it's more like if I give them feedback on something or I make a suggestion or do a task is more like optional for them as opposed to actually going through and then having those difficult conversations of, oh, we had a deadline. What's, what's going on? You know, what are the barriers to doing X, Y, Z? Um, and then them seeking guidance somewhere else. And yeah. then like, me hearing through it through somebody who told me just in conversation, I'm like, well, but I'm the one doing this. So it's like, I feel in my experience, a lot of times my age um, has played a role in that. And I think I shared this with you in, in our call where when I was in grad school and I worked at, a, at an agency, um, it was a residential situation and they served a certain age group of people up to 24 years old. And I started working there when I was 20, 21. So I was the age of some of the residents. And the first day I walked into work, the, this older lady, she looked at me and she said, oh, you're getting your master's? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting my master's. And she said, what is social service law, dot, 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 dot. And I'm like, I don't fucking know that. But it was more like a test, mm -hmm. like to prove that I belong there. Like, oh, what are they teaching these kids? Like, kind of like questioning why I'm there, why I deserve to be there. And from that point on, I did shut down. Because once again, I was the youngest. And imagine being the age of certain of the, of the residents that are there. Right. Um, I've always had to kind of prove myself in a sense. And that's always been frustrating because I've had to suppress parts of myself or not say as much or kind of keep to myself to avoid those situations. Right. And when you say you have to suppress your identity, like what parts of it do you think you suppress the most, right? Because there's, there's obviously like how you show up in um mm -hmm. like how you speak but also how you dress um the type mm -hmm. of um type of language that you say how you communicate like mm -hmm. what exactly do you feel like you have to like hide in a bit i feel like i had to let me think about that one or even still or even still have to hide right because we kind of still all do it right mm. yes because it's definitely situational right mm -hmm. so one i firmly believe that not everyone is privy to all parts of you and that you do have to discern when do you give certain parts of yourself to people. I'm personally very protective of my energy and I'm very mindful of, I'll scope you out and see how you move and see if, okay, can I do this with you or can I not, right? And if, you're, if you seem like a person that's not safe to be my full, safe, my full self with, I will pull back. And then I will come off as that, what is it? RBF, resting bitch face. <laughs> 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 Where I'm like, I'll fully shut myself down, do what I got to do, and go home. Mm -hmm. 
right? If I need to do something, if I need to collaborate with you, it's very cut and dry. So what's the goal? Did we get to the goal? Moving on, right? And it's not like, I'm not going to crack a joke with you. Like, I think I'm funny. My friends think I'm funny too. But I'm not going to do all of that or, or share what my life looks like outside of this environment if you're not a safe person. And if the minute I walk in, the first thing you do is give me the third degree about something and no hi, my name is, no nothing. Like yeah. that always stuck with me. Like, yeah. so you're, you're sizing me up at all times. I don't want to give you anything. Right. You're going to use that against me. And mind you, when she first saw me, she didn't know my age. She just saw my demeanor, like how I look. Right. Um, and I imagine at 2021, 20, I looked a lot younger than what I was, right? I look, <laughs> I would look like a teenager. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just um, repressing the, those parts. How much, how much of it, because you, you speak a lot about your age, but how much of it do you think, because you kind of have the trifecta as far as you got, you got the, like, you're always the youngest, you're a woman, mm -hmm. but you're also a Latina, mm -hmm. right? Like, so how much of it was age and how much do you think, like, those other three things factor into it? That's a good point. I feel like there's always a lot of factors. Um, working in, so I'm a social worker, I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're aware, but the social work field, um, as far as social services and working in nonprofits and such, is it's a lot of women, right? And it's a lot of women of color, right? Mm -hmm. So as far as like the, you see a sprinkle here and there of like in, in um of like men or like people, white people, right? To say mm -hmm. it plainly, but they're in management. Of course, the people that I work side by side with are people that look like me. So in a sense, yes, that's why I can narrow it down in a way. And as I've moved up and moved around and seen different things, I've noticed, okay, my being Latina and my looking the way I look becomes more important the more I move up. But when, I'm, when I was doing like entry-level work, yeah. they look like me, right? I've, I've always been so fascinated by that because that's like completely opposite of my experience. I've always worked where I'm the only Latino in the office. And I've mm. always wondered like, what if everyone in the office was Latino or Latina, right? Like mm -hmm. would I never experience any of this? You know what I mean? But I have you friends, would. I have mm -hmm. friends, that, I have friends that work at these like popular media companies that are Latino. Like think about like all these telenovela channels. I don't want to call them out by name, right? But, um, mm -hmm. and they say that they still experience like the microaggressions. They still experience certain things because even within like the Latinx community, there's still things like colorism, like ageism, like um, like income inequality. I, yo, and I've just like never thought about it at that level because I've always thought like texturism, how exactly. if your hair curls or if it's or if it's pinkier. And I have a mix if you if you look closely, and it's like so. What do you do with it, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I've always so thought it, like, it, oh, if we're if we're all Latinx in the office, we good, but it's not the case. It's not the case, right? Um, and it's a whole nother conversation that we could spend hours on <laughs> if we really <laughs> think about it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And that, so yeah, my experience has been a little different. And um, yeah, like I said, being authentic meant different things for me depending on the environment. Of course, not discounting that in every place, even if it was rougher to work at <laughs> and I had to deal with more, I always had one to two people that were my support system that I made friends with. I've always been very selective with people. So I always have one to two at every place that I can tell you who that person is who's like, oh, Garden Luna is this, is this. 
But no, she's actually really nice. Yeah, I just don't. She just don't mess with y'all. But <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, she yeah. sees right through you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's important to have that support system. Um, and it's unfortunate that sometimes people don't have that, where you don't have someone that looks like you or understands you, or you can say, hey, this happened to me and it sucks. Can I talk to you about it? Right. Um, and that's important. Yeah, 100%. Like, that support system is so, um, it's so important. It's so needed. And I feel bad because there's so many people that go throughout the day just feeling like I'm alone, right? I'm going through this by myself, but they just don't have anyone to talk to about it. And once they find, like, that person to talk to about it, it's like, oh, finally, I can let this go. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny, though, is, too, that it's not like they don't have a person to talk about. A lot of people think that no one understands. It is easy in our human experience to think, oh, I'm the only one going through this. I, no one else has gone through what I'm going through. No one's going to understand. But really, when you talk to people and things start coming out, we have a lot more similarities than differences. So that's why it's also oh, yeah. important to, to connect and, and share stories because you never know what's going to stick with someone and you can connect on it. Now, all of a sudden, you have a new connection that you could have been avoiding this whole time. That's so true. And it's crazy because that's kind of your job in a lot of ways, right? To like mm-hmm. make connections with your clients, um, especially like in the private practice side, right? And not only make connections with your clients, but make them feel like comfortable to be vulnerable. Tell me what that experience was like, because as far as like you being yourself and the impact that it has on your clients opening up to you. Mm-hmm. So definitely in, in where I advertise for my services right now is only one place, Therapy for Black Girls. I can put it out there. If you need a therapist of color, go find one there. Um, but even the name of that website is very intentional. Mm-hmm. therapy for black girls therapy for people who identify as black or want someone who who looks a certain way right um who they can identify with and it is so funny because whenever i do consultations um they always say like your picture your hair um the way i wrote my bio is not very stuffy um it's very like i'm talking to you and i was very intentional about that because when I was looking for my own therapist, that's not what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for someone who's going to throw theory at me or just focus on a stage-based model or be rigid in a sense. I was looking for someone that I can talk in what, however I talk and you're going to understand me and I don't have to explain what this term means or where it came from because that's exhausting. I just want you to get me. I want you to look like me um, because I feel more comfortable sharing my experience in that sense. And, and that's what I get. I'm, my clients are very intentional about seeking me out. And, I'm, and I put my picture out for that so they can see, hey, this is what she looks like. This is, what, this is how they work. And I drill it down even when we're having a conversation. And that goes back also to my authentic self because much like in my personal life and in my private life, I know I'm not the right fit therapist for everyone, even though I look the way I look and present the way I look. I'm not for everyone. And that's okay, right? Um, so I'm also very intentional about that. And even, and people find it funny, my therapist friends, when I say, I always ask people, how many therapists have you spoken to, like had consultations with when they call me, especially if they're first timers and they've never been in therapy before, because I always encourage people to keep calling different therapists. I say, have a few consultations. Uh, There's no magic number, but call a few therapists, get their sense of how they are and how they work. And if at the end of this journey, you feel like you made the best connection with me, email me back. 
Like I'm not quick to just take you just because I have you on the phone because it is therapy is such a personal thing. It's such a journey that it, me having you as a client, it's not more, it's not important at all. It's for you to get what you need from therapy. And if someone out there is a greater fit for you, I would rather you feel comfortable. Like, Hey, I, I really did my research. I spoke to X, Y, Z number of therapists, and this is the one that resonated most with me. Um, so yeah. That's so interesting. So I've been in therapy for about three years and I didn't do that exercise, but I wish I did because I think my, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to judge me. You're going to tell me to go find a new one. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. I legit, I legit found my therapist based on like how close she, how close her office was to the train stop. (laughs) And that's a factor. If that's a factor for you, great. Some people, a factor is what do they look like? What languages do they speak? What is their um, orientation? Um, how close they are to the office? Are they black? Are they Latinx? Are they white? Um, what is important to you for your healing? Should it be a, a male? Because right. let's say um, I've had XYZ issues with males in my life and I need to repair that. And this would be a reparative relationship. So, mm-hmm. so religion, spirituality, do they have a, there are spiritual therapists. So you really have to hone in on what your needs are. Do you need individuals? Do you need couples? Do you need family? Do you need a group setting? Um, and all that to say, and once again, even though I'm a therapist, therapy is not for everybody. Not everyone's in that mental space to accept that. And there's still a lot of undoing to do with the stigma of therapy. Um, and if that's not for you, finding another way to heal yourself along yeah. the process. I, no, I love that. Um, just thinking about like, it's not for everyone, but also just like, essentially like finding your own path. Because I think eventually mm-hmm. like everyone goes through this phase of just self-discovery, whether it be like something guided with therapy or just like by yourself. Um, it sounds like you even went through that phase where, you know, in one time, like you tried, you wanted to be your authentic self and then people like you, you got certain microaggressions may have like pulled back a little bit and now you're in a different space. Like, how did you get to the point where you are now, where it seems to be from my perspective that you're just like very confident and comfortable, like in, in your own skin? That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. So I'm going to take it way back and this is going to come as a surprise. I was a very shy child. Really? Okay. Shy child, like shy to the point that I'm sure I would have been diagnosed with like severe anxiety. It was terrible. Um, But something in me, I always wanted more. And in a way, I guess I started opening up in college like after high school started finding my voice and and doing this whole course of study. And then the older you get, the more you, you understand that your parents did the best they could with what they had. Mm. And we're a lot of times in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And then you start making sense of your experiences. And at a certain point in your twenties, you, most people um, come to the understanding that their parents are only human. And that all the things they taught you and tried to put inside of you and socialize you with, they don't have to be true. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine telling a Dominican family, for example, I'm a vegetarian, um, that you don't eat meat anymore? Oh, I've tried that. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to eat meat for a week. And then they went crazy. There was years before they stopped shoving chicken in my face. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) I'm like, I am positive 
It's been 10 <laughs> years. Just leave me alone, you know? Um, so my path to authenticity, it was more like a parallel process with my education and doing mental health and learning parts about myself that I never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that just because my extended family or my nuclear family said something or that I had to behave a certain way, especially being a Dominican woman, all these shoulds fall yes. on top of you. These expectations. Right? These expectations of what you should be. Like, you got to learn how to cook so you can get married. I'm like, <laughs> who said that's my goal? <laughs> you know, or um, what was it? One time I was, I'll give you the story. At one time I was in DR and we were cleaning the house. We were planning to clean the house and it was all my cousins and my aunts and everyone was there. And one of my male cousins said, in Spanish or English, he was like, Either way. Pa que va a limpiar los hombres si aquí hay tantas mujeres? Yeah. That triggered. <laughs> yeah. You know, so things like that where, yes, I was a shy, borderline anxious child, but I always had this fight in me because I was always fighting against things like that. Like, I never felt right in my spirit. And that's another part of my authenticity that if it doesn't sit right with me, if I have this weird whatever in my heart and spirit, I'm like, ugh. I have to address this. What is that about? Where is that coming from? I have to say something about it. Because if I don't say something, I'm going to think about it. And it's going to be in my head. Like, why didn't you say something? Then I have to circle back at an awkward time until, so my spirit can be right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in a way, it was a long journey. And I really had to take the time to discover myself and who I was and how I operate and make, unlearn a lot of things and make new meaning for myself. And it's a lifelong process. Because the relationship with myself is the longest, most personal, personal relationship I will ever have. Yeah. So I want to learn how I work. What makes, my, what makes me tick? What do I like? What don't I don't like? Who do I want to be around? What do, I want, what do I want my world to look like? And the more I learn things like that, the more I show up for others in the most um, effective way possible. I love that because it's... To me, it sounds like, let me know if I'm, if I'm, if I misunderstood it, it, it sounds like it wasn't just one moment, like it continues to be these moments that like you build upon and it's, the, you know, it's not over. You're still figuring yourself out. You're still learning. You're still building out like what authenticity means to you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So far I've had something pinned down, like 2016, I went natural, just chopped it off to my ears. And then here it went. I used to have this long straight hair yeah. and haircuts were painful for my mom she'd be like solamente la punta and i'm like you just cut it all like this obsession with hair and it being straight and then i have a lot to imagine it was a minimum two hours with the rollos under the secadora and and then the blower and then the flat iron but i never liked it i never liked it i used to fight my mom to not go but it goes back to that piece of oh, I don't have to do this. I'm, I'm an adult now. Yeah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And of course, then dealing with the comments of, parece un mapo, que greña, que esto. And then in DR and people touch it. I'm like, please don't touch it. I had a meltdown one day in DR also because they kept touching it. And I'm like, if y'all don't stop touching me, I'm not a petty zoo. Because they, where I'm from is like, the blow dryer, like they're not used to this. So like, what are you doing? Go comb your hair. Is that what you're going to wear like for New Year's? Yes, I am, actually. And <laughs> that's that. But it's a lot of that. And I think that's also where I learned how to speak up for myself because I got a lot of practice with my family. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of practice with asserting my boundaries and asserting myself in a way that they would understand and are still grappling to understand, but this, that's their journey. Now they don't argue with me. They're like, okay, this is perfecting. And then they watch me. Um, and then also it's important for me just to add that being authentic is, is important because I'm not only healing myself in the process, I'm healing those who came before me and those that come after me. Um, it, it is just a, a process of undoing and unlearning and it's funny because just so you know my mom transitioned in two years ago about two years ago so but it was so funny because I was always that I looked just like her but I was so different personality wise she was so accommodating she struggled with boundaries just regular Dominican mom like love her um, but she always saw me. She's like, why do you do this? Why do you do that? But I can tell that she always looked up to me in a way because I said things she could never say. And I would stand up for her and be that barrier that she didn't have for whatever reason, her own healing, her, the heart to never do. So in a way, people are watching you and people that matter, they're, they're taking notes. And um, that's why it's important because I'm not only doing it for me, I'm doing it for my brother, my sister my ancestors that came before me and whoever comes after me that you can do this and you will be okay 